0: So last week, um, we began a, a new sermon series called Finding God. And the focus of, of this series is on the importance, the, the crucial importance of seeking God and the truth that God wants to be found by us. If you look around, he's actually, he's left us many signs and, and proofs of his existence, of his, of his great love for us if we will but seek him honestly and earnestly. It's, it's important that we seek God on a regular basis. Even if you think, well, I know God and I found No, it needs to be a daily seeking of him and his presence. And last week we shared uh, some of the verses we shared, which, which talk about this, was uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 13, which says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, we also shared Isaiah 55, verse 6, which said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So these you know, these verses and others, they show that there is a role for us as human beings in seeking out God. That it's one of the primary purposes, if not the primary purpose that God created us for, was to, was to seek him so that we might be reconciled to him through Jesus. So we're talking about finding God, seeking God. Well, how how do we find God? You know, many people are are searching for God or for some kind of transcendence, aren't they? Almost everybody has a sense that there is something beyond, beyond this. Something that says there has to be more than this. And I mentioned last week that while... Current studies and polls tell us that, you know, we are getting less religious. People are getting less religious in in general. I, I point out the truth is that, no, we're not getting less religious because we're religious by nature. But instead, we're getting religious about different things. Because we are religious as human beings. And if we are not focusing our attention, our worship on God, it'll be on something else that captures our heart, that captures our worship. How do we find God? Where do we look and where do we search for God? Where do we seek him? You know, something that's quite common today is to hear people talk about the universe like it's some kind of divine force. So like, you know, the universe is looking out for me. You know, do you ever hear anybody talking like that? You know, they're thanking the universe for this and that. I looked up some phrases that uh, people say in connection with the universe, and here was one. And when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. In other words, you're in the universe expressing itself. Sorry, you're the universe expressing itself as human for a little while. Another one was, you are not in the universe. You are the universe. Any of these kind of have a ring to them? We've seen these, these little phrases, right? and heard people say them. Uh, I read a prayer the other day that read this. Thank you, universe, for the amazing things you are bringing me. Did you know that? The universe brings you things, gives you things. One of my friends in one of their Facebook posts recently said, the universe must have been looking out for me today because I think they had a a close brush with a, a car crash or something, and they were thanking the universe for keeping them safe. Well, that that form of, of religious belief, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. In fact, Hollywood, for example, loves this concept of God or of the divine. Yeah, you'll have seen movies where this is kind of, the, what's what's behind it? You know, think of James Cameron's huge hit, the movie Avatar. You remember that movie Avatar? It's exactly this concept. But I think perhaps the, the most famous and well-known example would be Star Wars. Yeah, all familiar with Star Wars and this idea of of the Force, right? The Force be with you. We've all heard, heard that expression. This idea of the Force, this this mysterious force that permeates every uh, permeates everything. Yoda describes the force like this. For my ally is the force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. The energy surrounds us and binds us. Hmm? (laughs) When Luke Skywalker asks Obi-Wan Kenobi what the force is, in his Jedi wisdom he says this, it's an energy field created by all living things, it surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. So do you see how this idea of the universe somehow being something that is more than just space permeates our culture? We find it in movies. We find it in uh, common culture. People's idea of, uh, of this idea of not so much thinking there, there might be a personal God, but at least that there's something. this kind of religious belief that God is to be found in ourselves. You ever heard that? God is is within you. That God can be found is in nature, is in the universe and the forces around us. Well, that belief has a name and it's called pantheism. Pantheism, pan- Theism, theism is is belief in God, pan meaning kind of all, in and all. It's Greek for everything is God. So in a sense, pantheism, it's the idea that God and the universe are are the same thing, that they're indistinguishable. It's the idea that God is in everything, is everything. So if you worship, for example, trees like some Druids do, or if you worship nature, if you talk about Mother Earth and and these kind of things which which are are concepts that are wrapped up in pagan practices like Wicca and and other things. Then that's essentially pantheism. People believe by worshipping these things that they are worshipping God because they believe God is actually in the tree, in the sun, whatever you want to pick there. Well, if we look at our scripture... This morning from Psalm 19. It tells us a very different story to pantheism. Verse 1 of Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. That right there, it dismantles the pantheistic worldview with two simple statements. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. So think about it. The the heavens declare the glory of God. Not the heavens are God. But they, they declare God's glory. In other words, the heavens are not God, but they point us to his glory. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In other words, the skies are not God himself. Skies don't contain God, but the beauty of the skies, again, point us to God and to the work of his hands. You know, the, the, the beauty and the staggering variety of beauty within nature, within our world, within the heavens, the skies, the universe. They shout out to us, don't they? That there is a creator who designed and created all that we see. And that includes you and me. Another way of thinking of this is that the world we live in has God's fingerprints all over it. God has given us tons of evidence that he is real. You know, when forensic scientists go to collect evidence at a a crime scene, one of the things that can be easily missed are fingerprints. Fingerprints. Right? Of course, fingerprints are a, they're a great way to identify someone because we all have unique fingerprints. No two people's fingerprints are the same. By the way, isn't that just one more pointer to God's creative genius? We could have all had the same fingerprints. Well, what does that matter if it was just evolution? Why would they care? But instead, each and every one of you has a unique set of fingerprints. Now, what do the forensic scientists do when they get to the crime scene? Well, they search for fingerprints, right? Because it's a great way to identify someone. And how do they do this? They do it by dusting down surfaces with brushes using adhesive powders. And these show up the fingerprints. I mean, come on, you guys know the deal. You've watched CSI, right? And all these crime series, right? You see how they do it. And it shows the fingerprints up. But isn't it interesting that that room is full of fingerprints? It's full of evidence. And yet you can't see them with the human eye unless you're deliberately looking for them and you're using the right tools to recognize them. God's fingerprints are all over the world and the universe around us, but we have to be deliberately looking for them. So what about God's fingerprints? Well, let's take a look at a few of these fingerprints. I'm just going to knock the lights off here. And I want to show you some images that were taken by the James Webb Telescope. The James Webb Telescope is like the Hubble Telescope on steroids. It's a newer telescope, and now all these amazing images are coming from it to NASA. And I just want to point a few of them out to you here. Um, This first one I want to bring up is called the Carina Nebula. Beautiful, isn't it? Almost looks like a painting. That is not a painting, that is a photograph. Let's look at Stefan's Quintet. It's gorgeous. About the Southern Ring Nebula. It's a favorite of Dara's, being Southern. <laughs> How about this next one that's simply called S.M.A.C. 0723? That is a cluster of galaxies about 4 billion light years away from Earth. Galaxy after galaxy there. Look at that bright star right there, shining. 4 billion light years away from us. And then this last one here, I think probably my favorite, it's called the Pillars of... Of creation. Pillars of creation. The heavens do indeed declare the glory of God, do they not? But you know what? As magnificent as those images are, they are but a tiny snippet of God's creative genius. Do you realise that? As as mind blowing as that is, that is like, you know, speaking of fingerprints, that's that's probably you know God's a tiny part of his little finger in terms of his creative output. But they have God's fingerprints all over them. But there's something important to grasp here, folks. Those images, those pictures of uh of God's creation are not God the god's creation and while god is intimately involved in his creation he also actually he stands outside of and apart from his creation as well you know if nothing in this universe existed if the universe didn't exist god would still exist because god is eternal and he stands outside of and above his creation and actually we're going to be talking about that more next week it's what's called god's transcendence but while God, he stands apart from his creation in one sense, he's also still intimately connected and involved with his creation, with you and I, intimately, intimately. I mentioned last week this word, imminence, imminence. And I mentioned it in the context of God's imminence. And what that means is, When God is imminent, it means that God is present within his creation. He's not just off in the clouds looking down on us, letting the world do its thing. No, he's not just the universe or an impersonal force. No, he's knowable. He's perceivable. He's graspable. And it's because he has chosen to reveal himself to us in multiple ways. Through his word. Through the natural world and creation around us. And of course, Most importantly, through his son, Jesus. He's chosen multiple avenues to show us, I'm real, I'm here, and I love you. Last week in Acts 17, which was our scripture for last week, we read that God is not far from any one of us. That is God's imminence. And it's true. It's true. You know, sometimes though, you might feel... Like God is far away. Have you ever felt like that? You, you just feel like, I, I don't know where God is. I don't know where he is in this. I don't sense him. I don't feel his presence. That God just feels distant. But When you're feeling distant from God and you're disconnected from God, guess what? Usually, we're the ones who've created the distance. We're the ones who have withdrawn, who have, who have stopped seeking him. It's usually us who's walked away, not God. And, you know, as a, as a pastor, I, I, I will have people who come to me and, and will be dealing with this issue. And I understand it because I've dealt with it myself in my life. But, you know, they'll, they'll come and say, I, I feel so disconnected from God right now. I feel so distant. I feel like he's just not there. And I, you know, I have to ask them. I, you know, I have to ask them questions. Are you reading his word? You know, the Bible? Well, not really. Are you spending any time with him? No. Have you been at church? Have you been in fellowship with his people recently? Well, not really. But I do watch online. God has given us so many. Ways and avenues of knowing him if we will only make the effort and shake ourselves out of that apathy that can descend on us. And I get it. We can all be apathetic towards God. But we have to be seeking him day in, day out. God is there. He has revealed himself to us. Listen to... uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without, without excuse. So God's saying that, He's saying, Come on, come on, folks. I have given you plenty of evidence and signs and pointers, and not least through my creation and through the wonder of this world, that I am real, that I am here, and that I love you. And that we don't really have an excuse for denying his existence. God's saying, It's plain. Look out of the window, look around you. And yet, despite all this, there are still many right who who deny, who deny God's existence, despite the evidence. And often this doesn't really make sense. I know there are, there are uh, many reasons that people. Uh, deny the existence of God and I want to be sensitive to the fact that often a lot of people who don't believe in God it's actually coming from a place of hurt it's coming from a place of disappointment their expectations of God were not met by that but you know God did not meet their expectations and that's a painful place for a lot of people but there are also many people who just deny God's existence because it wouldn't be convenient if God existed to their life What happens here, though, is we can be a little hypocritical in what we believe. And I want to show you what I mean here. Uh, Terry, if you could pull up the rose window uh, slide for us, please. I'm just curious, by by a show of hands, who, looking at that, would agree that somebody created it. It was made by somebody. I'm just curious. By show of hands. All right. Cool, huh? Still a little skeptical there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'd be right. That is the rose window at York Minster in York, England. And the picture doesn't do it justice. It is beautiful when you see it in the flesh. It, it's just a magnificent work. But why do, you think, why do you think that was created by somebody? Why do you think that was obviously made by someone? Because it obviously has evidence of design, doesn't it? There is symmetry, there is design, there are patterns to it. You just look at that and it's a no brainer. It's like, yeah, okay, that was obviously created by somebody. I'll go to the next slide for us, Terry. You know what that is? That is a piece of DNA. It's the view along the axis of the beta-DNA double helix. Do you know how much information a piece of DNA can contain? It can contain 250 million gigabytes of information. And yet... The same person can look at the first shot of the York window and say, obviously created by somebody, and can look at that and say, no, clearly happened by accident, clearly happened by unguided evolution, there's no way that was designed, there's no way there's a creator behind that. Do you see the cognitive dissonance there? Well, you have something like that that is so more infinitely complex than the rose window you just saw. Look at the design, look at the symmetry, look at the beauty of it, look at the color, the magnificence of it. Isn't it amazing that down to the very molecular level of our bodies, God has given us signs that he's real. That he created us, that he loves us, that he made us for a purpose. And yet, there are those who still deny the obvious. I was in a... I mentioned before, you'll often find me Saturday night in Barnes and Nobles in Burlington finishing off my sermon. And a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was in the, the cafe area, and uh, my ear was drawn towards uh, a guy who was chatting to somebody else. And my ear was drawn to him because I was like, oh, he's British. And then it was like, oh, not only is he British, but he's definitely from the same neck of the woods as I'm from. He had a certain kind of accent that I was like, he's got to be from my part of England. And sure enough, I, I, I said to him, I said, where are you from? It's a town called Bolton, which is 10 miles from my hometown. 10 miles. And so we got chatting. It completely sabotaged my sermon prep, to be quite honest. <laughs> so we chatted for about an hour. Um, but um, he mentioned in the process, he was, he was retired, but he was a scientist. And he'd done some pretty incredible work. Um, so just some really amazing things, uh, things to do with the development of social media and all this kind of stuff. Um, of course, we got on to talking about, well, what do I do? And uh, I said, I'm a pastor. And he went, oh, he kind of chuckled. And he said, well, he said, I'm the enemy. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm an atheist. And then he said, well, actually, no, I'm not an atheist. I'm a non-theist. Which, eh, the kind of the same thing, but a non-theist is somebody who's just more... Um, just uninterested in anything to do with God. They're not antagonistic about it. They're not antagonistic to people of faith. They're just uninterested in God. But he said, you know, he said, I don't know if I could call myself an outright atheist, he said, because there's just, there's too much design in creation. There's, there's, it's too, something did this, as he put it. And I think that's where some people are. They're just like, well, I don't really think God exists, but there's there's something going on here. And then you have people who blatantly just be like, no, la, 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 la. No such thing as God. No, 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 no. I'm going to live my life the way I want it. And I'm, nope. Headphones are on. There are people who deliberately and willfully, through their own choice, deny that God is real. And often they'll say it's for lack of evidence. Well, I just don't see the evidence for God. Well, let's take a look we're going to go back to Romans chapter 1 again to verses 21 to 25 Romans 1:21 to 25 and it says the following it says for although they knew god they neither glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened although they claimed to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles therefore god gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another and listen here they exchanged the truth about god for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised amen so you see, you see what that scripture is saying right there? It's saying it's not really about a lack of evidence. The fingerprints are there if you're willing to seek him out. No, it's not about a lack of evidence. But actually what it's about is the arrogance of the human heart. We'd rather glorify ourselves and worship ourselves than glorify and worship God. We'd rather worship the creation over The creator, and when we do that, we have lost our way. You know, when Moses wrote Genesis in the creation account, it's very intentional how God gave him that. If you notice, Moses talks about God made the sun and the moon and the stars. And that right there set them apart from all the other religions of their day because all the other pagan religions would worship the sun, would worship the moon, would worship the stars. And right in Genesis chapter 1, it's saying, No, they were created by God. He is the only one worthy of our worship. But if we worship creation over the creator, then we have lost our way. But if we seek God, if we seek him with a sincere heart, we will find him and we will see his fingerprints everywhere. Verse two of Psalm 19, our reading for this morning it said, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They reveal knowledge of what? Of God. You know, I have a a good friend uh who i used to play with in a band for for years. He's a bass player and a guitarist. And we used to drive to gigs a lot together. Um and it was great because we we'd get into some really deep conversations, you know, if you're driving to Vermont or something you got a good 2-3 hours, you know, there and back. And so we would we get into some deep uh deep conversations and he was he was an interesting uh Case, so to speak, because he was, he was coming from a, a Catholic background. He had this love hate relationship with the, with the Catholic church. He was a, uh, a guy in his sort of early sixties. But we get into all kinds of theological discussions. And I, I came to the conclusion, I think he's a believer. You know, because I asked him, do you, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yep. Do you believe he rose from the dead? Yep. I was like, all right. Okay. We're on good ground here. But one of the things he would often do, and it would be a joke between us, is we'd be driving somewhere. Say we're driving through Vermont in the fall. You ever been through Vermont in the fall and just the beautiful, the foliage and the tree? It's just gorgeous. And we'd be looking at something like that or perhaps we'd be looking at a beautiful sunset on the ocean when we're on a break from one of our gigs. And here's what he would say. It became a standard joke about this. He'd be like, you know, if somebody can look at that and say there's no God, they're a idiot. (laughs) And we chuckle because that's how we felt. We're like, if you can look at that and say, "Yeah, no, there's no such thing," it's like, "Come on, come on." The evidence is there. The fingerprints are there, if you will only look. You know, verse three and four of that Psalm 19. They 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 say they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard for them, and yet their voice goes out to all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. What that is saying is that God's revelation of himself through the natural world covers the whole world. There's not a place on the face of the earth where God has not in one way or another revealed his presence to us. It's actually what we call natural revelation or general revelation. It's knowledge of God that is plainly available to all of us. So what does that mean for us? Right, for you and I, because I'm guessing that most of us in this room, most of you listening at home, already believe in God. Okay, and if you don't, I hope this is, has been helpful. But if you do believe in God, well, what do we do with this all this? Well, it's a reminder to bask in his presence now. Take in that magnificent sunset. Or that full moon among the stars. Give give thanks to God. Thank him for the beauty he creates. That beauty extends to all of you here this morning. Do you know that? You're beautiful. You're a beautiful creation of God. When you look into the eyes of a a new baby, thank God for the miracle of life. Maybe you're moved by a piece of music. Or a movie that, that brings you closer to God. You know, God is a, he's a genius at finding ways to speak to us through the world he has created. So I just want to encourage you starting, starting today, start being more intentional about looking for God's fingerprints all around us. Be intentional, like the forensic scientist. Use the tools that God has given us, his written word, the Bible his creation, his people. And of course, most importantly, his son, Jesus. Let's pray.